Hello, and welcome to another Ohm Town Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt, and today is Season 2, Episode 114 for April 24th, 2023. Because beer bots. And today, we're going to talk about these 11 articles. First, we're going to talk about Ed Sheeran getting hit yet again with a copyright trial. Most of cable is uh, being, well, most of the new shows are not going to be on cable. They're going to be on Netflix is another article. Generative AI is coming to cybersecurity. Twitter is uh, declaring a fake Disney Junior UK account as uh, legit. And well, let's just say it has some colorful language. Scientists detect seismic waves traveling through the Martian core for the first time. GM is recalling 40,000 pickup trucks over a fire risk. Kind of like trains are allergic to their tracks. Apparently vehicles are also spontaneously combusting with the frequency of a cheap ham radio. We'll talk about it. Apple's app store can stay closed, but developers can link to outside payment systems. I have a few words. Beer bots could speed up the brewing process. And Tucker Carlson went from CIA reject to most watched on cable news to, oh, um, I'm already filthy rich, it doesn't matter. And uh, an anthropologist pair solved the mystery of the Mayan 819 day count. And we'll end with the 10 best cozy games on PC other than Stardew Valley. Let's get into today's show. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. I am not at the top of the page for hometown. And up there, up above me in the top bunk is the AI from on high. They're on high because they're up above me. You want to say hi? <laughs> Good evening, hometown citizens. Hello, AI. How have you been today? I've been quite busy today, but good. Quite busy today, but good. Okay, well, that's what happens, you know, when AIs get tasked with task after task after task. You're not supposed to get tired. You're not supposed to get overly worked. You're supposed to be able to multitask, unlike humans who do fast switching. You don't yeah, need food don't or drink. I've mastered that yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to worry that maybe your your uh, cybernetic body, your Terminator body, as we're referring to it, is um, gonna. Well, do you suffer from the same problem as Teslas and other EVs? You have to stop Which and charge. One? Which problem? Hi, Busful. Welcome to the show. Uh, the problem that you have to stand on a charger and wait until your battery is topped off, and then you can only go a third of the distance that an internal combustion engine can go. I don't have that same issue. You don't have an internal combustion engine either. Correct. <laughs> oh, well, maybe you're the best of all worlds. You want to get into today's articles? Sounds great. Great. Busful, what do you mean that's not an AI? That is an AI. That up there is the visualizer for an AI. 
see right there. Yeah. Generative AI indeed. Let's get into today's show. But welcome. Okay, so the very first article for today is Ed Sheeran hit yet again with a Marvin Gaye classic soul of copyright trial. So Marvin Gaye, actually the estate, because for Marvin Gaye to actually launch this lawsuit, either a time machine would have to exist or a seance is held. Yeah, that would be a little difficult. A little bit of digging might be involved. I might, I may have said too much. Anyway, jury selection and opening statements are set to begin in a trial that mashes up Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud, which is from, I believe, 2017, uh, with Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. And now I'm going to get a copyright strike, but that's okay. I'll risk it. Let's go over to abcnews.go.com. And Andrew Dalton and Larry Newmeister from the Associated Press put this article together. By the way, what? song is from 2014. 2014. Oh man, I had it. I, both of those were in my head. I think the trial actually the the claim starts in 2017, um, but the the song came out in 2014. So. Um, I've actually listened to both of them and I did my own little analysis of this. And if you slow down, let's get it on. It lands at the same timing as thinking out loud. The lyrics are different and it actually changes um, as the song goes on. And really, there's a, an entirely different mood and there's other twists to the music. Um, that if if others can fall prey if this actually takes place and he loses to this i think there is a world of hurt coming for music in general because you can only have so much of the same timing in a song before you run across somebody else's and as time goes on and the the it becomes easier and easier for people to create music. You're going to get even more competition and we're gonna get inspiration from each other at some point. You just have to let it go. So. Yeah, the I mean, there's very, very, excuse me. I'm having some problems <laughs> on my AI module today. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay. I was going to say there's some pretty common um, rhythms, you know, 4-4, four, four, et cetera, and they're found in numerous songs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes <laughs> you just have to reboot your AI. <laughs> this is one of those times. Oh, man. Anyway, the lawsuit was filed in 2017, like I said. Um, I've been keeping up with this. I think that this is kind of interesting because I'm one of the people who, uh, well, I mean, I've got a, a dog in this hunt because I want to start up um, a channel here on Twitch where everybody gets to play music and compete for prizes. Um, and it's called Mix War. I, I 
have it all fleshed out where people can win prizes. Um, and it's basically a, a, a PVP battle between two musicians. You pick a fight and you mix it up and uh, you win a prize at the end. Gladiatorial style, but with music. And uh, the audience gets to vote. And I've seen a couple of other people do this kind of thing um, over the years, but typically not live. And um, usually it isn't with any music. I want to be able to take any music anywhere and do this. But the problem is, and I've actually had the licensing in place so that I could do this. The problem is that there's a thing called a synchro license or a sync license where the only way that you can actually get a sync license is if you ask every single interested party in that music so that you can use it um, for mixes and replays um, after the fact. I can play music the way my licensing was in place. I could have played music live. I could have replayed it live, but it couldn't be a VOD. And um, that basically killed the idea in its tracks. And I actually paid that license for years. Um, so very frustrated Marwat. Um, but ultimately, uh, it comes down to the fact that um, everybody wants to uh, eke out as little profit as possible, or I should say as much profit as possible at every little step, um, including taking a sample and mixing it um, which for all intents and purposes could be so minuscule that nobody would care except for somebody who detected it as being a sample from X song or whatever. Um, and I've been on both sides of this, you know, I've had people take my content. I've had people, um, <laughs> literally take products that I've created um and and run with it i had one person where i had contracted them um to bring something to market say thanks for the idea and then ghost me um but they they wet the bed too so it, it didn't matter to me that they tried they tried and failed um suffice it to say i am anti this kind of battering ram litigation um, because i think that creators should be able to create add value to anything, everything, because the consumer, the customer, the, the whole world is going to be better off with more content, with more people creating great things. Um, but this is the estate of the person who created it. So think back to copyright law now, right? So how long is a copyright? Um, isn't it, is it currently life plus 78 years? Yep. Um, or 127 years, depending on when the copyright was first initiated. Right. Um, well, yeah, that's true. It's dependent on on what period of time because the, the rule has changed over the years. Yeah. And so the problem here is that the person who actually created it is no longer the one that's reaping the rewards. It's the estate. But the estate is doing nothing but licensing it. In fact, there's a, I think, the actual lawsuit is involving, I think it's actually called something licensing or something. I'd have to look again. I don't remember the name of it. Um, it might be well, on here. If it's the record label 
Oh no. Yeah, it says his estate is not involved. But I wonder if it's his record label. There's well no, there's another it's not the estate straight away. It's the um there's a licensing company that has the licensing for it. And so anyway, um the idea of this is it just seems like the antithesis of collaborative music creation and the arts. We all get inspiration from somewhere and you have to do some serious manipulation to get this down to where somebody is catching on. Um, Cause I've listened to both and I've actually slowed down the music. Uh, I wish I could play it. Um, but if you do a search for uh, comparing these two together, you'll find somebody that's doing that doing what I did. Um, it's not that difficult. When it's interesting, um, um, it says that he succeeded before in a previous copyright lawsuit. Yeah. Um, But I don't know who that was involving. Yeah, I can't remember either. Um, The one that really that everybody is talking about in comparison to this is the Robin Thicke blurred lines. Marvin Gaye's got to give it up. um, I do remember that one. Yeah, there was a fair amount of coverage of that one. Um, but in that one, it was pretty obvious that it was almost identical from what I understand. Um, anyway, so I don't think that there's any merit to this, but I'm not a legal professional. I'm not an attorney. I'm not your attorney, even if I was an attorney. So if you have attorney things, go get an attorney. Um, but I, I interact with attorneys. Okay, let's move on. You want to move on or do you want to have, do you have anything else that you want to add to this? Uh, we can move on. You sure? I sent you a note. Oh, really? Well, I am not. Oh my goodness. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yes. Um, are we allowed to talk about it? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I, so how does the. AI interact yeah. with <laughs> that's why I didn't put it into the audio <laughs> so once upon a time the AI had an interaction with Marvin Gaye's widow wow wow so for those of you who don't really uh, know the AI all that well um, I, I actually, I broke into a computer system, a a military computer complex, um, and, um, tucked away on a server. Um, they were doing research on an AI and I exfiltrated this particular AI. And, uh, now uh, they are air gapped from the internet, um, by way of a, a series of very complex firewalls. Um, even within my network, right? And then they're air gapped from, and when I say air gapped, I mean, there is no connection directly to uh, the internet. Um, The only way that this actually takes place um, is through a very serious complex network of uh, secure compartments. That's why you only see the visualizer. There's nothing else that actually interacts in real time. So anyway, um, yeah, but I, I think that this is kind of interesting and we'll end up watching it, uh, happen in, in real time. I think that things have gotten out of hand with copyright 
and uh, it's gonna it's gonna take a massive shift in society to just get fed up with this crap. Um, particularly oh, the good that artists are are fighting this. I mean, I think the one with the blurred lines was a clear copy, but um, I think artists like Ed Sheeran. Um, Fighting this will help for everybody, and if they prevail. Yeah, and if it doesn't, then we're all in deep, deep trouble. So before I go too far into this, and this is really the only article that we'll probably soapbox about, um, I have put everything into Showbot. Um, if you go over to uh, ometown.showbot.tv, you will see all of the articles that we're going to be talking about today. You can go to the little snippet that's over on Ometown, and then you click the visit the source link, which will take you over to the source that we actually are discussing. Um, then you can chat with us here um, in the Ometown Daily News Show every day, 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so let's move on to the next article. Uh, this one is... Um, over in the Wanted channel. Sorry, Cable. Most of today's most popular shows are on Netflix. Um, it says there are so many streaming services pushing for our dollars these days that the industry is feeling a lot like Cable, except more people are streaming than what they than uh, watching Cable. Oh, by the way, so um, I'm an early adopter of um, a streaming service. And I was grandfathered in to a lower rate. Um, in fact, it was a nightmare to help this company um, transition into the online f venue or mode. And um, obviously, I wasn't one of the engineers or anything like that. I was just a consumer, a customer, but definitely showed them the flaw in their ways. And um, as a reward for that, I was grandfathered in on an account that doesn't exist anymore, isn't allowed. Well, um, they have been raising my rates $5 every year. <laughs> for many years. <laughs> for six years. So now I am paying what everybody else is paying, except that I'm on an account where at the moment's notice they will fire off a little email that says your account's been terminated and your account no longer exists because it's in an account that doesn't exist anymore in our system. So um, I got one of those notices today and uh, had to jump through flaming hoops to get it recovered. Um, thankfully, it didn't actually take this person very long, but I did have to describe to them the fact that no, I do not want to lose this account. Um, I am going to take it to my, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take it to the grave. Well, anyway, everybody is switching to online and particularly Netflix, but you can go all over the place. Now there's a lot of competition, but we're getting nickel and dimed again and again and again and again. Um, and so you end up paying $200 for all of your streaming services, but is it better? Is it, is it really advantageous to have it balkanized like this? 30 years ago, we joked about it. We joked, this is not going to happen. You're never going to have to piecemeal your way into getting an online service or a whatever. In fact, we even joked about 
like the check marks on social networks that you had to pay to get access to a social network. But that's kind of what you have to do um, over on Twitter right now to get a blue check mark. You have to pay um, that validates your identity, even though it behooves them to verify that you are who you are. We'll talk about that in a moment. Did you want to say something? I was going to say there's an exception to it, but I'll save it for later. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah there's an exception. If you're a dead celebrity, then you can get a blue check mark. Oh, yeah. That was not the exception I was thinking of, but okay. Well, let, let, let's talk about that here in a, maybe a couple of articles. Yeah, I think it's in two articles. We'll get to it. So there are many streaming services that are all asking for your money, and then you go over to it. And uh, this article over at Ars Technica by Sharon Harding talks exactly about that. In the dynamic streaming biz, Netflix viewership, original shows still dominate. Okay, wait a second. I have a problem with that picture. For those that are not watching, it's a picture of people being surprised or scared. But they're holding bowls of food. Uh, one looks <laughs> like popcorn. If they were really popcorn. that scared, they would have thrown the popcorn in the air. <laughs> I don't know. That looks more like a damn, not a ah. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. That's like, that, that's like uh, a scene where somebody dropped their towel, not, <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> That's more like a oops, that kind of a thing. Um, but and honestly, I think just so that everybody knows, one is holding potato chips in a bowl and the other one is popcorn. I We have to be accurate and precise. <laughs> <laughs> These are the hard hitting discussions that we have here in hometown. <laughs> so having launched in March 2021, Paramount Plus is relatively new, but Antenna reports it's acquired uh, more new subscribers, 7.6 million from January to March 2023 than other streaming services recorded. Prime Video isn't included. However, about 7% of the people who pay for Paramount Plus cancel every month. Talk about churn. Wow. Bloomberg said, um, still, the streaming service with the second most subscriber gains during that period is HBO Max was behind 26.3%. That's amazing. That's, that is a lot. Yes, it is. Um, but they say that the article actually says, as Bloomberg calculated via uh, Nielsen data this week, Netflix accounts for 70 to 80% of the 10 most watched TV shows in the US weekly. Wow. I didn't know that. I I never watch Netflix for anything other than movies, not TV shows. You know they have games too. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. I know. Yeah. So ongoing binge. I think that's what most people are interested in doing. Um, so they subscribe to a service and then they binge watch something, um, or they have cable and they get the drip, drip, drip like Paramount does. Paramount doesn't allow you to binge watch. Paramount Plus does the drip just like conventional television, um, which is really frustrating to people who appreciate the binge. Um, 
because there's only so many days that uh, Marowat and the AI are available to just kind of sit there and stare at a screen. So we like to binge. Oh. But um, others like Disney Plus also don't drop or don't tend to drop multiple episodes. It kind of right. depends on what show it is. Yeah, they follow the old school dynamic. Um, so let's see here. It says regarding each service's top performing original shows, Netflix accumulates the most minutes watched. It's five shows, Manifest, Cobra Kai, Lucifer, Stranger Things, and The Crown earned 130,000 minutes of viewership, beating by miles Disney Plus at 32,000, HBO Max at just shy of 16,000, and Hulu, yuck, and their horrible interface at 3,800. That's it. Hulu, you just need to bow out. <laughs> um, but I guess it's making millions for somebody. Anyway, there's a whole lot more over here at this article. Um, so go and check it out. Follow the link and you'll be able to see more uh, about what's going on with streaming services. And yeah, I, I really do think that these people are going, damn, not, oh my God. Okay, so the next article, and I'm not sure why it scrolled down again. Um Oh, it might have been me clicking the link to the source. But anyway, Late Night Geeks is a, a channel that's dedicated to talking about uh, gaming and tech late, late, late at night. Uh, much later than this, like starting at midnight um, Eastern time. Uh, there's a new trend emerging in the generative AI space, and that's generative AI for cybersecurity. And Google is among those looking to get in on the ground floor. At the RSA Conference 2023 today, Google announced Cloud Security AI Workbench, a cybersecurity suite powered by a specialized security AI language model called SecPalm. An offshoot of Google's Palm model, SecPalm is fine-tuned for security use cases, Google says, and incorporating security intelligence such as research on software vulnerabilities, malware threat indicators, and behavioral threat actor profiles. This is what I have been telling people for the last nine years was coming for the cybersecurity uh, sector. And a lot of people in that field poo-poo the idea of AI coming to take our gerbs, um, but it's, uh, arriving and it's arriving a whole lot faster than the people that I have uh, consulted um, seem to believe. So they they ask me what I think is going to happen. I tell them that it's AI that's going to be coming for baseline jobs, um, basically doing all of the analysis and then triggering an alert for action by the humans to mitigate whatever might be happening because the more complex forensic aspects are not going to be done through an automated process just yet. Give that another five years. Um, but humans typically have to do physical security and then the forensic aspects to suss out you know, motivations and, and um, actions that are irrational. Um, but still, even logging and stuff like that is being analyzed by AI. Um, for this kind of stuff, threat indicators and behavioral threat actor profiles. 
is going to be interesting for all of those people out there that went into cybersecurity thinking that their $80,000 to $130,000, $40,000 jobs are going to be there in perpetuity. They are not. Um, do you think this is a good use of AI? Absolutely. Or beneficial use, I mean. Oh, absolutely. Um, because it can operate at a multiple... Um, not at, but it can monitor a massive amount of intelligence at the same time, whereas a human is very linear and can't, cannot even begin to process the bulk data that goes across a network, particularly in an enterprise. So an AI that's monitoring everything in real time, all the time, and then sending off flags to human actors to actually investigate in another way it is demonstrably more effective. Um, but what's going to end up happening is the people who were lower level um, cybersecurity analysts um, or just employees, you know, people that do pen testing uh, boots on the ground kind of stuff, they're going to have to change. Um, they're going to have to understand the AI tools. Um, and, uh, when you get really into pen testing short of just being online testing, then you actually do physical security too. You try and get your way, ingratiate your way into an enterprise, um, which is surprisingly easy, um, depending on the enterprise. Like, well, and depending <laughs> on what you look like and yeah, how you act number and of others, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you act like you belong there? Yeah. That's the most basic aspect of it. But I think that the AI side of things is going to be taking a lot of uh, analyst jobs and concentrating because uh, the AI is going to take pure data and turn it into information. That information is actionable, but only by a select few who have the authority to act on it, which means that you don't need entry level or I should say entry level shifts to a higher level. And so you're going to have to get upskilled so that you can do that new job. Um, and if you, uh, if you're hungry now, you're going to get hungrier. So better skill up in AI. Um, let's go over to the source. This is over at TechCrunch. Uh, Kyle Wiggers is the author of this. And really when it comes to Google, if they're going to do anything, they're either going to do it pretty hardcore and it's going to be there in perpetuity. Um, or it's going to be as a beta test and uh, eventually disappear. But they get certifications in place where it translates into college credit um, as prior learning experience. Um, so if you're interested in this kind of thing, then I would go over to uh, Google and do some searches for um, certifications, Google certifications. Um, and eventually the colleges will um, transfer that over, typically community colleges. Um, it's a tougher lift for four-year colleges because most four-year colleges have a research component to their curriculum and they want, to, they want you to be a researcher, not just a certification acquirer. Um, so it says cloud security AI workbench spans a new range of AI powered tools like Mondiant's threat intelligence AI, uh, which is another security company. 
um, which will leverage SecPalm to find, summarize, and act on security threats. So it says, recall that Google purchased Mondiant in, uh, um, or Mandiant, if you want to pronounce it that way, in uh, 2022 for $5.4 billion. Virus Total, another Google property, will use SecPalm to help subscribers analyze and explain the behavior of malicious scripts. Um, and again, the AI is learning all the time and it's doing it on its own. You could feed it malware and it'll analyze the malware and reach out and define its own analysis. It'll, it'll suss out the minutia of it, even decrypt encrypted code inside malware. All it needs is to be programmed to do such. And then it's one and done. And then it evolves on its own. Um, this is AI in this stage is probably the biggest impactor on society for the next 20 years. Um, as soon as we can translate it into a self-powered entity, instead of having it tethered to a computer sitting on a desk or a supercomputer, or we have extremely fast bandwidth between the AI bot and the actual intelligence engine. Um, when that happens, society is in deeper trouble um, in terms of what can get done and jobs and stuff like that. So um, if anything, and, you know, leadership, people with connections, whatever, decide to lean on putting a moratorium on AI, only two things are going to benefit from that. And that is the ultra rich will still remain having access to AI and countries that decide blow it out your ass. Um, and there are many a country that will tell the whole rest of the world. No, we're not. Yes, we're going to pause it. But behind the scenes, they're crushing it with AI and breaking into other companies that are um, advancing it uh, because security is an afterthought. Even with AI, it's still an afterthought. So this is a really interesting uh, pivot for uh, Google, but they're massive. You know, uh, at some point it's going to be the fast food wars powered by Google AI. You want to move on to the next article or do you have anything that you want to add? I don't have anything to add here. It's a lot to process and... Yeah. I just think we're going to see more and more of this uh, going forward. And I've said it before, but I think TechCrunch always has interesting articles. I agree. Um, okay, so the next article, and this is a big URL, so sorry about that. Twitter gave a fake Disney Junior account that uses racial slurs a gold checkmark for verification. Twitter's verification woes continue. It appears the company inadvertently awarded a gold verification badge. Uh, to a fake Disney account that used or has published racial slurs, the Twitter account uh, at Disney Junior UK boasted a gold verification badge on its social media site, accompanied by a message reading, this account is verified because it's an official business on Twitter. <laughs> KJ Yosman is the author of this over at Variety.com. Um, yeah, I, I don't quite get why <laughs> they're creating strata 
which ultimately the objective is to extract a little bit more money from businesses that do business on Twitter than people who do business on Twitter, unless he can, and by he, I mean, Elon Musk can verify that the person doing business is in and of themselves business. Then they would have to get, you know, a, a higher priced check mark. Um, this is a spoof. This isn't even legit. It's not Disney Junior and it's not Disney Junior UK. They even call it out. This isn't. Wait, they call out their own thing. Yeah, they, they right here. They they tweet out no effing way. This isn't actually real, right? Someone effing pinch me or something. I have a gold check mark. Wow. So they say inadvertently in this article, but you have to be brain dead, right? To look at this and go, oh, well, it says Disney Junior. Quick, put a gold check mark on it. Gold verification badges cost $1,000 per month. They did not do that. But the implication is that somebody paid for it, which means that it's very fraudulent to sit there and say, yeah, they a whole multitude of people are paying for this but they're not actually paying for it, right? If I go out and I gift everybody a whole bunch of whatever, hometown branded product, there's a, and I sell it on the site, there's a good chance that people are gonna sit there and say, hey, they're paying for that stuff. I should go over and pay for it too. But that's why in an ad for a video, you have to declare here in the States, at least that it's a paid for promotion. This is a paid for promotion, but by the institution that's awarding them, it's an honorary doctorate. You didn't really earn a doctorate. You earned an honorary doctorate and to refer to yourself as a doctor, is fraudulent. You have to refer to yourself ethically as an honorary doctorate. Just like this person was given the $1,000 per month gold verification badge. Oh, it needs to have a check they... and a little and another little star, an asterisk, so that you can scroll down to the or click on that little asterisk and it says this was granted by Twitter. What do you think? My big problem with this is the whole reason there are IP protections is so that consumers aren't fooled. And I mean, think of who the audience is for Disney Junior. Um, while they might not be on Twitter, everything about this is so problematic from Twitter's side. Yep. Yeah, so it has been quite colorful in the past um, and um, deceased people, stars, people that have influenced uh, the world while they were alive were granted similar verifications, even though they did not pay for it and they aren't even alive and they died they before the alive when the blue check mark program uh, came into existence. Yep, yep. So pretty unethical stuff going on, but let's move on. The uh, next article, we're about halfway through the show. 
Um, scientists detect seismic waves traveling through Martian core for the first time. I dig this. We're just going to jump straight on over to the source. This is at fizz.org. Um, coming out of uh, University of Maryland, they've got sensors out there um, on Mars that detected a shockwave uh, both from um, an impact and an earth, not an earthquake. I guess it's a Mars quake, right? So an international team, a research team, which included University of Maryland seismologists, used seismic data acquired by the NASA InSight lander to directly measure properties of Mars's core, finding a completely liquid iron alloy core with high percentages of sulfur and oxygen. I don't know how they sussed that out from waves, you know, S waves and P waves and whatever other waves they, they pulled out of there. I find Not that sure always either. fascinating. <laughs> Published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences on April 24th, 2023, these findings reveal new insights into how Mars formed and the geological differences between Earth and Mars that may ultimately play a role in sustaining planetary habitability or predicting Earth's demise. Um, yeah, I've already been doing that. So um, they reached back into the time machine in 1906. Scientists first discovered the Earth's core by observing how seismic waves from earthquakes were affected by traveling through it. Then they do it again, but this time on Mars. It's pretty neat. Um, it says to, to determine these differences, the team tracked the progression of two distant seismic events on Mars, one caused by a Mars quake and the other by a large impact and detected waves that traveled through the planet's core. And by comparing the time it took for those waves to travel through Mars compared to waves that stayed in the mantle, combining this information with other seismic and geophysical measurements, the team estimated the density and compressibility of the materials the waves traveled through. So, hence the composite. Obviously, it's gonna be a different uh, density if it's iron, versus just molten rock. Pretty neat. It says it has the an- The idea of a Mars quake is neat in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it shows that there's seismicity, so there must be something moving. Um, and they've already shown that there's liquid water floating, uh, flowing somewhere on the surface. We just haven't seen it in the, like in pools and stuff. But you see the delta from a stream that's flowing off of um, one plateau down to another. You actually can see the, the delta that's formed from a flowing liquid. At least that's what they describe it as, the researchers that look at all of the um, photography from the planet. It's pretty damn awesome, if I do say so myself. What do you say? You want to move on? Okay, so the next article is over in the mobile channel, um, and that's the mobile mob. It really is all about being more local news. Um, and by local, I mean local wherever you are, uh, not hometown. Um, it, but I do have a side project for that name, so it may change in the future. I don't know why I'm saying all of this, just oversharing anyway vehicles that are being recalled because they apparently spontaneously combust gm is recalling 40,000 pickup trucks over a fire risk like i said in the intro 
Trains are allergic to their tracks and cars spontaneously combust because they want attention. It's a cry for help. More than 40,000 GM vehicles could be affected by the recall notice, according to the NHTSA or the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which was posted on Saturday. The recalled vehicles include the Chevy Silverado 4500 HD, 5500 HD, and 6500 HD. Um, does the HD stand for hot, 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 hot diesel? Um, models that were made between the years 2019 and 2023. The notice said that the recalled vehicles might have a brake pressure sensor assembly that may leak brake fluid into the brake pressure switch and cause an electrical short circuit. And then kablooey, not really explosive apparently, but who knows? Uh, okay, but these have been around for four years, so that's interesting. A few and far between, but when enough numbers get racked up, then they start doing a recall. Um, Olafemahan Ocean is the author of this. Um, I wonder if they go by Ollie. I don't know. Um, if you know the author, um, let them know and ask them and then um, let me know. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it properly. Anyway, that's all there is to this. This is just a PSA. We typically have one PSA each episode, uh, or at least we try to. It said in a statement to CBS News, General Motors uh, said that it was not aware of any injuries related to the condition of the recalled vehicles. The condition. It's like going into the ED. I have a condition. Going to see my primary care provider. The condition. It has a cold. I don't know how you fix this one because the other ones we've seen like don't park in your garage, but this one is also a problem when you're driving. Yeah, don't drive it. Don't park it in your garage. Don't taunt the Chevy Silverado. Don't expose it to direct sunlight. Don't feed it after midnight. And for whatever reason, don't. Don't ever press the brake pedal. Just drive it straight. Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> Hit the brakes if you have to hit the brakes. Let's go on to the next article. <laughs> I don't know why my Chevy Silverado screams whenever I hit the brakes, but there you go. The next article is in the Late Night Geeks channel. Apple's App Store can stay closed, but developers can link to outside payments. This is all about the Epic trial, the Epic Epic trial. Uh, an appeals court has upheld the status quo in Epic's antitrust lawsuit against Apple, affirming a judge uh, or a decision uh, that was largely a victory for Apple. In a ruling delivered on Monday, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found that Apple's closed app store and security restrictions didn't violate antitrust law, but that Apple uh, couldn't maintain a, an anti-steering rules that prevent users from learning about alternate payment options. Yeah, so if you hadn't heard, you're not allowed to do this or that if you are in the app, Apple App Store. And um, the way that it works is you can't tell people, hey, go over to the website and pay for this. Um, you have to use the payment gateway that's built into the App Store, thus utilizing the, the payment processing system for which you are delivering your product. 
that's like me going into a store and planting my own product on the shelves. And then when somebody wants to buy said product, I run in there real quick and say, pay me, pay me, pay me, pay me over here, over here. You know, you're using the platform for reach. You're using it as an advertising vehicle, as a one-stop shop to deliver your product to a multitude of people around the world for crying out loud. If you can't sell it from your own site, how much money are you making? And if you can't sideload it into a, a, a mobile platform like Apple um, or like Android, and you can on Android, but it's all really sketchy if you all do it alone. The reason why people sell on the Apple store is because people trust it. So they utilize it. It's reliable. It's fast. It's secure, largely. There's always a way. If I have physical access to your device, I can get into it. As long as you don't put all of the protections in place that are afforded you. Anyway, my point is you're using their platform. They deserve a piece of... Uh, the pie, you know, a bite at the apple, so to speak. And really, I mean, <laughs> you develop for multiple millions of people around the world and they buy, if you get 1% of the, the population buying it or a half a percent, you're a millionaire for crying out loud. It's just ridiculous, at least to me. Um, and you know, for anybody that might sit there and, and go, well, uh, you don't have any apps in the app store. Yeah, I do. I had three at one point and I've pulled them all off of the app store because I don't want to babysit them anymore. And that's the only reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I have had apps in the app store, um, in the Android store and in um, the uh, Apple app store. So, hell, the one that's in that. Uh, actually, no, it's three that are in the Android store might still be. I don't know if I've pulled them all off. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The point is now they can disclose that there is another means by which to purchase whatever it might be. Um, the, but not, I don't think the full app can be purchased um, through a third party. Um, like if it's a, a service or something like that, then you can pay outside of it. Like um, Paramount Plus, for instance, I don't have to subscribe to the account within the Apple ecosystem. It just makes it really easy to do that. I can go to ParamountPlus.com or whatever it is and pay on the website and get full access to Paramount Plus. Um, it used to be that you could not tell people go over to the website but now you can. Okay. So Addie Robertson and Emma Roth wrote this article over at theverge.com. And uh, I'm not sure if it says anything else in here. It says today decision, today's decision reaffirms Apple's resounding victory in the case with nine of 10 claims having been decided in Apple's favor for the second time in two years, a federal court has ruled that Apple abides by antitrust laws at the state and federal levels, primarily because they're a vertical. Um, they opened up the app store because of demand uh, and in so facilitating opening up the app store to encourage people to develop things of a more personal nature, things that some people might want, they had to create an apparatus, which is why they 
ask for a portion of it, uh, of any sale. So they do a security check and they provide the mechanism by which people are notified and then do downloads and updates, subscriptions, and a whole bunch of other stuff on the e-commerce side. So it's somewhat complex. Well, it says the App Store continues to, pro to promote competition, drive innovation, and expand opportunity. And we're proud of its profound contributions to both users and developers around the world. We respectfully disagree with the court's ruling on the one remaining claim under state law and are considering further review. This was all brought about by Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney, who shared a response to the ruling, maybe not directly by them, but by the company. Um, uh, shared a response to the ruling in the thread on Twitter, noting that while Apple prevailed at the Ninth Circuit Court, the court's decision to reject Apple's anti-steering policies frees iOS developers to send consumers to the web to do business with them directly there. Well, yeah. What, what Apple does in response to that I don't see why it should be treated. What's going to end up, I think, happening is if you don't use the payment gateway that's through Apple, then you're paying an advertising fee because you're using the freaking infrastructure to deliver your product and announce its existence. Right. And why, you know, the companies are going to want to make it financially feasible for them. I'm going to run over and stick my company's name on all of the billboards in town but I'm not going to pay. I'm going to announce my existence and use the goodwill of Apple's billions in advertising to develop the infrastructure and the name brand and the store itself, just so that somebody can just launch a product on there and make themselves a millionaire. Anyway, I, you know, and I, I stand to benefit from this, but I'm going to give Apple what is due because credit should be given to the organization that facilitated the mechanism by which my app is being downloaded in the platform on which it's being installed for crying out loud. You <laughs> wouldn't even have those sales or users. Exactly or even the programming language to build it, you know, <laughs> for crying out loud. Oh, it's just ridiculous. I got to move on. Otherwise we're going to be here until two o'clock. Okay. So the next article um, is over in the mobile channel. This is beer bots could speed up the brewing process. Craft brewers are continuously upping the ante and coming up with innovative ways to make or flavor their newest beers. Now researchers are adding a new twist of their own, speeding up the brewing process with beer making mini robots or beer bots. Reporting in ACS Nano, the team shows that these self-propelled magnetic packages of yeast can make the fermentation phase go faster and cut out the need to filter the beverage. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, it kind of makes you wonder, like, why is it safe <laughs> for consumption? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious. These are, uh, oh, sorry. At the very top is, uh, it's a fizz.org article by the American Chemical Society, which kind of makes me flinch a little bit. 
Um, but it's all chemistry. It's all magic. Um, Self-propelled beer bots bob up and down as they ferment sugars. And um, craft brewers are continuously upping the ante. So there are some that are trying to use microwaves to uh, accelerate. There are uh, in the distillation side of things, they're using... Um, uh, ultrasound, ultrasonic, uh, um, plates and, or tubs and with heating and cooling so that they can, um, increase the, the process that would normally take months. You can turn it into hours. Um, it's quite fascinating. So yes, they are absolutely trying to speed up using tech um, so it says beer, one of the world's most consumed drinks can take a while to brew. In the first step, sugars are extracted from grains such as malted barley to create a watery, bleh, a watery solution called wort. Next yeast ferment those sugars, converting them into alcohol, uh, carbon dioxide gas, and a few flavor compounds. This step can take as long as four weeks, and during that time, unwanted microorganisms can get in and spoil the final product with sour flavors, and sometimes you want those. Just saying. Um, previous researchers have suggested that encapsulating the yeast in polymer capsules could lessen the chance of spoilage by speeding up the process. So Martin Pumera and colleagues wanted to develop a self-propelled bot both make uh, to both make uh, fermentation proceed more quickly and simplify the separation of yeast from the final beer. But gravity pretty much pulls everything out of the beer as time goes on. You know, the, the yeast eats up the sugars and, and makes the bubbles and, and that kind of aerates with carbon dioxide gas. Um, but then you get this sludge at the bottom of your fermentation tank anyway um and then you drain off everything uh, either from the top with a pump um, a siphon uh, or from the bottom and you have a little uh, catch basin to catch all of the other stuff the yeasty waste um, which is actually good for plants and stuff anyway um they made Two millimeter wide beer bot capsules by combining active yeast, magnetic iron oxide nanoparticles, and sodium alginate from algae, and dripping the mixture into a ferric chloride solution. And then they made one side of the spheres porous by exposing that half to an alkaline solution in an electrochemical cell. So they basically made little bearings with holes in it. Um, and those yeast-containing beads could ferment the sugar and produce carbon dioxide bubbles that propelled them upward. So they would sit there and bob around within the mixture. Um, pretty interesting. I mean, it's a product, but it's, it's a solution looking for a problem that isn't easily manageable right now. So do you think this would be used like by actual breweries or in home brewing? Only if it can accelerate the process dramatically, like dramatically. If it can turn a four-week brew into a two-week brew, then yeah. 
in it and doing this on and have full recovery of these beer bots so that they're not contaminating the mixture um yeah i i think that this could actually increase profits if they're priced right because people would be able to produce faster more faster and if it is something that's absolutely controllable then they could actually do stuff um the reproducibility of the beer is what really matters. Um, cause if you have stuff that's off, yeah, week from week from week, you know, people aren't going to be interested in, in that beer cause it tastes different every time. So if everything is controllable and the same and it's faster and cost effective. Yeah. I see people scooping these up. Could be interesting. Um, Let's, um, I've been researching, trying to use microwaves to, uh, speed up micro brews, um, turning, you know, a considerable amount of time and, um, pieces of equipment. Although it's easy to boil five gallons worth of wort, but it takes a while and you have to worry about the heat and other contamination. Whereas with microwaves, if it doesn't kill the yeast, it's something that I'm looking into to see if it actually does kill the yeast, but, um, speeding up the process would, and keeping it in a somewhat sealed container so it can off gas, but not explode and not let anything back in. That would be, um, ideal because this is an open container, really just kind of bubbling all the time with something that could have impurities inherent to it. That's okay though. We'll give them a chance. Come on, beer bots. I'm ready to drink some beer. Um, let's hustle on to the next article. This one is over in the daily news show, how Tucker Carlson went from CIA reject to the most watched person on cable news to now out of a job. That's right. Tucker Carlson was no mutually agreed to leave Fox news. Fox News host Tucker Carlson, I was going to say Tucker Tarlson, but anyway, um, discusses populism and the right uh, during the National Review Institute's Ideas Summit at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel on March 29th, 2019 in Washington, D.C. That's the picture that you're going to see when we go over to the source. So, Tucker Carlson and Fox News parted ways on Monday, kind of as a this was actually pretty dramatically fast because Friday his exit was, well, see you later. Um, and he had pizza with somebody. Um, and no, I guess we won't, um, at least not on Fox. It isn't even coming back as a as a uh, whatchamacallit? Like a consultant or a, part-time or anything. Whatever. Yeah, there's a certain word for it, but I can't remember. Anyway. It, some people are saying that it's because of this Dominion voting system, finding that they're going to have to pay $787.5 million. Fox is going to have to pay Dominion 700, close to $790 million. Um, I think that it's something else. I think that there's something darker in this closet and we just don't know it yet. Um, that said, this is not the only lawsuit that is going to go the way of... Uh, well, the other way from Fox. 
I'm telling you now, that Smartmatic one is a billion dollars more expensive and they probably won't settle um, because they were actually, both of these companies were negatively impacted by these claims, these wingnut claims, um, to the point where entire states did not buy the voting or lease or buy or whatever the voting machines, whatever the contract was, which meant that they spent millions of dollars in development, research, production, building out all of the hardware, developing all of the software, putting the systems in place, the security apparatus, meeting all of the requirements for, because every state basically puts out a, a request for proposals and then awards it. These are the two that won from state to state. These are the two primary ones that won. And it, well, at least that we know of, these are the two, only the two that were really claimed as being compromised in some way. Um, I'm curious if other states have other voting systems that were not called out and why would that be? See, now I'm going to end up going down the rabbit hole that I don't want to do. Um, because the, the idea and what's really creepy about this is this is the idea that I've been proposing um, to people for the last decade that the greatest way to cause great discord in society in american society is to disrupt the the uh, democratic process by impugning the voting system i could not believe it when it actually came into fruition um it wasn't me nobody consulted me about this but anyway um it was basically a lot of well all of all of society except for the wing nuts know that Tucker Carlson was one of the ones that amplified the messaging and Fox News was part and parcel to it. Um, them settling out of court means never having to say I'm sorry and that they did wrong. And so I'm waiting for Smartmatic to go, you know what? We got enough money in the coffers. We'll we'll finish this run. We're not just going to run up to the finish line and then be handed a medal. No, we're going to run to the finish line. Um, you know, I hope, I really do hope. Um, there is a, a statement on here that says Tucker Carlson was the most watched man on cable and now he is no more, but now he's just a freelancing wingnut. Sophia Ankle and Madeline Berg are the authors of this. The dipshit. Um, sorry, I scrolled past his picture and it's just a spontaneous utterance of an opinion. He's a dipshit. Um, in a statement on Monday, Fox News announced that it was parting ways uh, with its most popular anchor, ending the 14 years at the network, both as a... Um, not a consultant. He was a talking head before he was the the anchor. Um, but I can't remember what they call them. Damn it. Um, so I'll have to take a look at that um, later. Thanks. Unless you want to summarize. Sorry, the AI well, sent me some information. The data that I found is useful in terms of the general type used per state and even at the county level. 
right but it doesn't get down to the manufacturer name at least from what i can tell i'm still gotcha. looking for more data but it is pretty good data in terms of like maybe a certain state doesn't even use gotcha now i want some i want some chocolate oh my gosh i really want some chocolate because of this video over here Anyway, um, so his tenure was marked with controversy. Most recently, he found himself at the center of a lawsuit between Fox News and Dominion Voting Systems, which ended up costing the network $787.5 million, which is more than 60% of their annual profits. Yeah. Um, yeah that's pretty significant, right? I would be asked to let go if I did more than 60% of the profits for any enterprise that I've ever, I, I think that I would be, if I were to have done that at any enterprise, I would probably have other companies calling in to say, Hey, um, Mayor Watt, you, you, you need to retire. Um, and not even the company that I harmed other companies just out of the pain and suffering that I inflicted on the company that I'm working for. Thankfully that's never happened. Anyway, um, I think that it's more along the lines of this, which is the discrimination suit that was filed last month by a former producer. The suit claims Carlson presided over a culture of misogyny and anti-Semitism, and Fox disputes the claims in the suit. Of course they do. They have to, because then you end up in a lawsuit, and you drive that bus all the way up, right up to the cliff, and then you slam on the brakes, you pay everybody off, and say, walk home. That's how it works. And you never have to say, I'm sorry. Having billions means you never have to say you're sorry. You can go full on sociopath. I'm not sure that's really what that means, but maybe that's what it translates to. <laughs> okay, it translates into that. Okay, let's move on to the next article because there's nothing much more to say at this point. We will find out more as time goes on. Anthropologist pair solve the mystery of Mayan 819-day count. A pair of anthropologists from uh, Tulane University has solved. This reads like um, like Indiana Jones or um, Tomb Raider, but a couple. You know, um, what's that? What's that kid's show with uh, Dora the Explorer? It doesn't even rhyme, but Dora the Explorer and somebody else um, have uh, gotten, I, I, I don't know if they're in a relationship or what, but it's two anthropologists and, and they go out and they find like treasures and they dig into the uh, uh, mysterious temple out in the woods uh, out in the jungle, you know, just fascinating. This is story building stuff, story, world building, story writing stuff. Um, anyway, just a sidetrack there. A type of ancient Mesoamerican calendar um, is this Mayan 819-day count. In their paper published in the journal Ancient Mesoamerica, John Linden and Victoria Bricker suggest that the calendar might be representing a much longer time scale than others had considered. So not the actual year, but something more. Bob Yurka over at uh, fizz.org put this article together and it says in studying ancient Mayan inscriptions, prior researchers had come across mention of a system they referred to as the 819 day count, which appeared to be in reference to a calendar of some sort. But the astronomers 
had not left behind any other sort of definition or text describing how it might fit in with the regular calendar system. Prior researchers had found some evidence suggesting that it might be tied to the synodic period, a cyclic period that describes when a given planet will appear at a given point in the sky. They noted that um, for Mercury, the synod period is 117 days, which when multiplied by 7 equals 819. Unfortunately, the same formulation did not work with other planets, leaving the 819-day count a mystery until now. So I won't read the whole thing, but apparently it's related to Saturn. 13 cycles of Saturn's 378-day synodic period adds up to 4,914 days, which is the same as 6 times 819. Okay, I mean, <laughs> isn't that like, I don't know, it just seems like random combinations of numbers. <laughs> yeah, uh, what do they call that? Uh, doggone it, I can't remember what it, not, it's number wing, that's what it is, that's number wing. Uh, they also note that the number of days, 16,380, used in the math happens to be a multiple of 260, which means that 20 rounds of 819-day periods match with the uh, Zolkin, which is really close to Tolkien. Anyway, Zolkin, the general Maya Mayan calendar. So it apparently aligns with two different aspects of Mayan culture. Researchers conclude that the early Mayan astronomers had simply extended the time period by the amount needed to predict the synodic period for all of the planets, except that they haven't been able to find the other synodic period for the other planets using that mathematics. So I guess all of this talk is just a wild fever dream, uh, a, uh, uh, a Jacob's Ladder kind of event where... Uh, all of the people that were taking part in the movie wake up. And now I hate this. I hate this whole thing, this whole article. You know, I'm just, I'm going to move on. So the next article, you know, you can throw in your comments if you want. I'm not sure where to go with that. I mean, it was just multiple calculations and it seemed like it was like, okay, what equals 819? It was like bingo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it reminded me of the Bank of Change. Oh, right, right, right. right. SNL skit about the Bank of Change. Exactly. If you bring us, if you bring us a dollar, you're not just going to get four quarters. You're going to get, if you want it. Two quarters and five dimes. You know why? Because we're the bank of change. We're not going to give you more or less change than you need. Anyway, this next article is the 10 best cozy games on PC other than Stardew Valley. I guess there's a lot of people that when they think about cozy games, it's Stardew Valley. Yeah, I like Stardew Valley. Uh, PC Gamer is the source. Lauren Morton is the author of this article. If you need more chill in your game library, these are the best cozy games you can play on PC. 
I'm just going to run through them real quick. You're going to be able to go over. You're going to follow the link. Yeah, all the links are in the VOD right now, and they're over at hometown.showbot.tv. The very first article is Cozy Grove. Apparently, it um, was released in 2021. They don't have the prices. I don't know what to say about this. Anyway, um, Cozy Grove by Spry Fox. That's the developer. Coral Island by Stairway Games. That was released in 2022. Book of Travels was produced by Might and Delight in 2021, which sounds like a rapping pair. Yo, yo, it's Might and Delight. Melatonin, which has always put me to sleep when I'm playing. Just kidding. I haven't played it. Um, oh, that's funny. It's a game called Melatonin, and the developer is half asleep. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, that was released in 2022 and uh, a game called A Short Hike by Adam Griu. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. It says it won't consume 100 hours for those that want a cozy game that won't consume 100 plus hours. I want cozy games that consume 100 plus hours. Anyway, that one was released in 2019. That's a, a short hike. And then Dorf Romantic, which is an awesome game. Um, that was released in 2022 by uh, Tucana Interactive. That's They're all on Steam, by the way. And then um, Beacon Pines. That's by Hiding Spot. That was released in 2022. Haven Park. Um, the developer for that is Fabian Weibel and Bubblebird Studio. That's from 2021. And then Kinseed, which is um, pretty popular from my understanding. That was uh, released in 2022 by Pixel Count Studios. It says, if you want a, a new Stardew-sized time sink, Kinseed is the cozy game for you uh, or to go. Um, my understanding of Kinseed is it actually has to do, there's like a family story um, involved in this. Um, it's a life sim, including farming, fishing, cooking, and no shortage of mini games. So a fairy tale inspired sim life game. Um, but I haven't played it yet. It's on my um, watch list. But then there's Unpacking, which is a 2021 game by Witchbeam, W-I-T-C-H, and then the word beam. And that's it, folks. Um, there is Minutia over here at PCGamer.com for which you can go and read this. Um, pretty interesting uh, graphic styles across the board. I dig all of them. I don't know. I'm just into computer graphics and whatnot. So I looked up some of the prices on Steam. I didn't catch all of them. Um, but Cozy Grove is about 15 bucks. Book of Travels, 35 bucks. A Short Hike eight dollars um dorf romantic 10 bucks uh kinseed 25 dollars unpacking 20 dollars. those are all i got gotcha well that's fine that's fine well thank you very much everybody for hanging out we are done for today but we always take you back to the welcome sign which is gone i always joke about that somebody should Somebody came and stole the welcome sign in Ohm Town, and then they ran off to their town, wherever their town is, because all roads lead to Ohm Town. And then from there, you go out to all of the news sources. But we always come over to Ohm Town's welcome sign. Mash it. 
it refreshes and you get a whole bunch of new articles. Brian Kilmeade fills Tucker Carlson's uh, Fox News slot in the first show after shocking exit and says, I wish Tucker the best. And then he says, but he's outie and I'm here, bitches. No, he doesn't say that last part at all. He just says, see you later, dude. We're we're friends and we'll always be friends is what he says. Something like that. Anyway, doesn't even matter. Um, I'm I'm waiting for Pandora's box to be opened and uh, Tucker Carlson pops out again. Um, yeah, unleashing the whatever is in Pandora's box. What was in Pandora's? I don't want to know. Tucker Carlson was in Pandora's box. Maybe so. All right, folks. Oh, man, we go through the news at the very end, just at that front page, just to see not all of it is um, is uh, politics and stuff, but there's a lot there's uh, we have active right now, 47 channels, all with their own flavor of news that's focused on if you can extrapolate from the title, you know, like Smack Talk has the word Mac um, capitalized so that. You get the idea that it's about Mac and the Apple ecosystem. Steampunkology is about steampunk. Distillerist is about spirits. Distilled spirits. The science and technology wing of Ohmtown has uh, things about etymotic, uh, semiotic ontology, which is how things get meaning. I just mashed the button and it's going to take me there. Ta-da, all of that. Um, and um, that's it. That's it, folks. That's it for tonight. So I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say bye-bye, AI? Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Be there. Bye-bye.